Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a documentary filmmaker discusses child sex abuse on the set of a well-known Hollywood horror film director. There were people that were on the set of Clown House that were kind of saying, well, this is, you know, this and that. These things are weird. These things are kind of questionable. Nathan would, you know, he would sit on the actor's lap in between takes. Um, They seemed almost like they were a couple. You know, it was all kind of very intimate. So somebody had finally said, you know, to his mother, you know, look, these things are happening. And for a while, Nathan denied it. And he wanted to protect Victor initially. You know, he was so young. This podcast is brought to you by Reverse Speech Radio, a podcast committed to telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Using the exact same technology as the CIA, they know because they trained them. Join hosts Christian Dicadure and David John Oates every week and hear never-before-heard reversals, revealing the hidden truth. Catch politicians lying, climb inside the head of serial killers, even hear EVPs played in reverse. Who's lying? Who's telling the truth? All will be revealed on Reverse Speech Radio. New episodes drop every Thursday. Find out more at reversespeech.ca. Listen and subscribe at reversespeechradio.libson.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. Filmmaker Connor Frazier is standing by to discuss his documentary, The Boy, Monsters Aren't Only in the Movies. It's about the Nathan... It's about Nathan... It features child actor Nathan Forrest Winter, now an adult, who was sexually abused for years by Hollywood writer-director Victor Selva. You may recall the film Powder from the 1990s. That was one of Selva's films. Selva began his career with a short film in the early 80s called Something's in the Basement, which caught the eye of Francis Ford Coppola, who would later back several of Selva's films. Nathan Forrest Winter was essentially left in Selva's care, and years of sexual abuse soon followed. Nathan would appear in another Selva film, Clown House, again, backed by Coppola. Before that film's release in the late 80s, Selva was arrested after commercial videotapes and magazines containing child pornography were found in his home. Selva pleaded guilty to lewd and lascivious conduct, oral sex with a person under 14, and procuring a child for pornography. Remarkably, he was sentenced to only three years in state prison, of which he served a mere 15 months. He completed his parole in 1992. Afterwards, he continued to make movies, most notably Powder in 1995, and more recently, Jeepers Creepers 3, He continues to be tolerated, if not defended and supported, 
by certain of his peers in the Hollywood film industry. The Boy, Monsters Aren't Only in the Movies is a brand new documentary by director Connor Frazier, which features Nathan Forrest Winter. Connor Frazier, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, it's very nice to be here. The origin or the genesis of this documentary, The Boy, which is your directorial debut, uh, how did it happen? How did you meet Nathan Winters? I just messaged him on, on Facebook. I mean, it was very simple. Um, I've been a horror film fan since I was you know, very young, and I had kind of known about Victor Salva, but not very well. And I had noticed that about once a year, you would see in the horror film community, um, people would say, well, is it time to forgive Victor? Is it time to move on? You know, what happened to Nathan? And so it kind of was interesting to me. I wanted to hunt him down and figure out, you know, where has he been and what has he done with his life? Because he that was his only full-length feature film he did that and a short film for victor so he did something in the basement which was this experimental uh, short film uh yeah. that really got victor selva noticed uh francis yeah. ford coppola saw the film was impressed and he became sort of the benefactor for victor selva correct yeah um francis was judging a festival and he had seen the film and he was impressed with it and had um i, I believe he gave victor about a million dollars to do a a horror film because francis had come up in the roger corman school you know and so he thought that would be a good way to you know kind of see if victor had the chops for filmmaking right and then came Clown House, which was sort of his major theatrical debut. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and how did uh, how did Nathan uh, become acquainted with Victor Selva? How did this young childhood actor um, meet the director of Clown House and and uh, and uh, something in the basement? So Nathan's mom had a friend whose daughter in a preschool and you're not going to believe this Victor worked at a preschool mm. before he had become a filmmaker um, and Nathan's mother's friend had a daughter who went to that preschool and knew Victor and she knew that he was working on a short film called Goblin's Gold um, and he was complaining that he didn't have anybody to create a bust of the goblin's head. And this woman knew that Nathan's mother was very creative, and so she said, why don't you talk to Victor, and maybe you can do it for him. And she ended up doing that, and Victor kind of through that process became um, acquainted with Nathan, and it started out as, you know, oh, you know, you guys are swamped. Let me go and, you know, I'll, I'll take Nathan to the park or I'll take him to a movie or whatever. And then it came into, it came to be, well, why don't you let him stay the night? You know, stay the weekend even. I mean, there were, there were the, there were trips where he would be there for days with Victor. 
And uh, when did the actual um, sexual abuse begin? Was it on the set of Something in the Basement, or did it happen during the filming of Clown House? Oh, no. It had occurred from the ages of six until 11. So it started right before filming Something in the Basement. They had already been acquainted by the time he cast him in that. And it ended during the filming of Clown House, or right after it. And how many how many other victims were there? Um, we don't know. There are there's speculation. Um, we do have another, you know, Nathan's co-star from Clown House, Brian McHugh. He came forward to us um, just recently. And I have a recorded statement from him saying that Victor had been filming him. What he would do is he would take a camera and he would put it on a laundry basket in in his bathroom. And Brian would come over and stay over just like Nathan did. And Brian would go in and take a shower and Victor would have that, you know, he would have the camera rolling. So he was filming Brian McHugh showering. And um, in terms of, uh, um, sorry, let me just pause here. So uh, Nathan told his his parents or his mother what was happening uh, before the release of Clown House, correct? Yeah, I mean, she kind of had to force it out of him because there were people that were on the set of Clown House that were kind of saying, well, this is, you know, this and that. These things are weird. These things are kind of questionable. Um, Nathan would, you know, he would sit on Victor's lap in between takes. Um, they seemed almost like they were a couple. You know, it was all kind of very intimate. And so somebody had finally said, you know, to his mother, you know, look, these things are happening. And for a while, Nathan denied it until, you know, finally he just broke down and he said, you know, this is what's happening, you know, A, B, and C. And he wanted to protect Victor initially, you know, he was so young. He considered him his best friend. Yeah, he considered him his best friend in the whole world. I mean, he had come from a, you know, a broken home, you know, and Victor, like most, you know, abusers, they tap into people, whether it be a child or an adult, who have very fragile senses of self-worth. And that's what he did with Nathan. Nathan didn't really have a father figure that he felt like he could connect to at that point. And Victor filled those shoes. And I, I, I don't want to get uh, too graphic, but uh, how bad did this sexual abuse uh Get. I mean, I know the, that there was um, oral sex, but yeah, was there was there rape? Um, I, I don't believe so. Um, from what Nathan has said, he doesn't recall ever being penetrated. Mm. Um, it's it was mostly oral, either on Victor or on Nathan. Um, there was just a general typical oral and then there were times where he would he would um i guess i don't know how to describe it um oral from the back 
I guess, would be the best. I don't know the prof- you know, right. the normal no, term. I think we understand. <laughs> yeah. There's um, a professional term for that. Um, and that was really, yeah, that, that, that seemed to, I, I think that's where the extent of it went. Um, he did film Nathan, you know, doing things. And, you know, these were things he was doing to Victor. These were things that he was having Nathan do himself. Um, but it never got to the point of like having a full-on sexual act. Right, right. Um, and so, when were the charges actually uh, uh, brought on Victor Selva? They were brought shortly after production had wrapped on Clown House. Um, the morning that he was arrested, the police had kind of set up a sting operation, and Victor was going like six thirty in the morning, and he was leaving his home so that he could go to Coppola's ranch um, and do post-production overdubbing and things like that. And as he was going, driving out the neighborhood, they caught him, they stopped him and they raided his house and they found countless videotapes of pornography on him. Um, There was videos of Nathan, there were videos of other children that we don't know you know who those children were but um he babysat a lot of kids so there's the potential that there are multiple children that are out there today who just haven't said anything um and they also found um like scrapbooks almost where victor had cut out photos from magazines and things like that of children you know modeling clothing and whatever and he'd cut them out and kind of made a little collection most of the more serious crimes were thrown out and he was only sentenced or charged with four of the lesser crimes. Yeah, four out of 11 charges. Right. And he served, um, the numbers kind of differ, but anywhere between 15 and 18 months is how long he served for crimes and it took him six years to commit. Which would inc- and and he wasn't he was not charged with child or possession of child pornography. He was not charged with. Um, well, what was I what, think, what? I think it was you know it was something about I think child pornography was in there, um, procuring it. I don't know if they didn't say if he had sold it or not, because um, we you know we've speculated on how far it truly went. Um, I know that it was, you know, lewd and lascivious acts against a minor, um, kind of the basic, typical stuff when somebody is charged with child abuse. Right, but one would expect, uh, you know, a fairly lengthy sentence for for this horrible act or series of acts, and yet a, a slap on the wrist, as they say. What happened? Uh, <laughs> What happened? Are we talking about a, a corrupt judge? Are we talking about... I don't know. How do you explain that? The situation is very difficult. Um, he ended up serving 15 to 18 months in a rehab facility. And I think his lawyers... See, the issue we have here is that all of this is now tied up with this film that is just finished. You know, Clown House is just finished. Coppola has put, you know, a million dollars into it. Um, and so there's a lot on the line there. So 
So the assumption would be that his lawyers were probably, you know, individuals that had come from, you know, the fact that he had those contacts in the industry now. Um, there's nothing to say, you know, some people speculate. They'll say, well, Francis, um, perhaps Francis Ford Coppola has done this. Perhaps he's done that. Perhaps he's a pedophile, whatever. There's no proof of any of that. Um, all we know is somehow he managed to get some pretty damn good lawyers. And Coppola went ahead and released the film, despite the fact that the writer-director of this film had perpetrated an absolute real horror show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I also want to mention, I, I'd totally forgotten, that um, his sentence came from the fact that there was a plea deal signed. And this is a plea deal that was signed by Nathan's family's lawyer with Victor's lawyers. Um, the Winters family, their lawyer did not give them any notice as to the, that plea deal. Um, he actually told them, look, you don't need to come to court today. Um, they're taking Victor and they're doing a psych evaluation in another town. So you guys can have the day off. And behind closed doors, he signed a plea deal for Victor. Unbelievable. And Nathan was was not asked to take the stand, correct? No, he was just, he was interviewed heavily, of course, but never, you know. It was like they almost like they didn't need his testimony. They had so much evidence. Yeah, they had, you know, and they even took something in the basement and, you know, Clown House, I'm pretty sure. They even put those films out during the court hearing. Um, they had a um, psychologist that came in there and who kind of picked apart Victor's work and said, look, there is so many allusions to child abuse. And red flags. You know, yeah. these can't be accidents. Yeah. And plus they had, you know, however much child porn he accumulated from filming Nathan and from secretly taping Brian and, you know, whoever else. There's more than just those two. We just don't know who they are. So your documentary, The Boy, uh, which was released just a couple of weeks ago, and that kind of coincided with Fathom Pictures. Fathom Events. Fathom yeah. Events re Fathom released another one of Salva's films, Cheaper's Creepers 3. Mm. That was yep. released on Halloween, although there the were a lot of... Release, a lot of uh, the second. The second release. The second release. Right. Yeah, it was released initially by Fathom for two days in 2017. And then for some reason, they skip a year and they choose to release it again this year. I, I don't know why. The the timing of the release of your documentary, The Boy, was that deliberate to coincide with the release of Jeepers Creepers 3? Um, no, that was actually a, it was a great coincidence. Um, because we got some press from that from IndieWire, which was great. Um, we had kind of already figured out in August that we wanted to do it on Halloween to kind of play up the kind of horror film side of everything. Victor is a well-known horror director. He's not really well-known for anything outside of that, except maybe Powder. Um, so that was just something that, was, that we had decided on some months in advance. And we just got lucky. And I should point out, so Jeepers Creepers has become this little franchise uh, for Salva. Jeepers Creepers 1 
which I guess came out in the early 2000s, and that set kind of a box office record. I think the highest grossing film ever released on Labor Day. Uh, and then Jeepers Creepers 2, I think, uh, even exceeded that record. Uh, so the point here is that after he gets out of jail, as a convicted sex offender, he's still finding work in Hollywood as a director. And of course, in 1995, releases uh, Powder, uh, yeah. which is uh, under Disney studio. Yeah, it was um, Hollywood Pictures, which is is or was. I'm not sure if it's, if it's still a brand at this point, but... Um, it is or was a subsidiary of Disney. And I believe it was under the Touchstone distribution label, which, once again, that's a subsidiary of Disney. Um, that was a weird experience because I think Nathan might have other opinions, but I think that Hollywood Pictures, the producers down there at the bottom, I don't think they knew. I think... Disney was well aware. Michael Eisner. But, yeah, I think they were absolutely aware. But I do not think that the producers that were closest to the project knew because they had said in interviews after that whole thing had broken down that they were told that it was a one-time inappropriate touching incident with a 17-year-old. Ah, okay. They told that by Victor's agent. Right, right. So that was a blatant lie on his, on his, you know, on the part of his party to say that it was a 17-year-old. And then uh, he released another picture called uh, Rite of Passage, which is another horror film uh, about a... It's more uh, of a drama. It's a homoerotic drama. Right. A, a, a young gay man is driven out of his family's home into the arms of a psycho yeah. killer. Um, yeah, and is that the one that starred starred uh, Lance Erickson or Hen uh, Henriksen rather Lance Henriksen, which would will be known to listeners uh, for his roles in uh, the Alien movies, and also Eric Roberts, the brother of Julia Roberts, no less. Um, that was Nature of the Beast, ah, which sorry. was made. Yeah, that was the first film that he made after he got out. With, with Eric Roberts, yeah. With, um, I don't remember who was in. Um, right to passage. Um, I've seen it, but I don't think it was anybody particularly well known. Were Were Henriksen and Roberts aware of Salva's dark past? I don't know. And you know, that's another thing where doing something like this and being so submerged within such a dark subject matter. Um, Sometimes it's hard because it makes you look at the world around you in a different way. It's really, you know, especially growing up loving film and looking up to these people, you know, it's hard to say, well, this person is sick, that person's sick. You know, it's, it's very difficult, and I try to avoid it because I think everybody has their own motives and they have their own reasons for why they choose to do what they do. Mm. Um, I think there are some people who have been in Victor's films who I'm not going to say they are bad people for it. Um, now, there are others that have clearly, you know, they've showed their true colors. Um, what is her name? Lynn Shay. Lynn Shay is a prime example. Um, Lynn Shay is 
pretty famous in the horror community right now. She's the sister of Bob Shea, who found a new line. He was the guy that gave Wes Craven the money to do A Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. back in 1984. Um, she's been starring in the Insidious films since 2010. Um, and she, there was an incident with a friend of ours, a friend of a friend, someone that's friendly with our, you know, with our team, I guess, and that person's friend. This person had made a post on Facebook about Victor, and Lynn Shay, he was friends with her on Facebook. It was kind of just, you know, a fan, you know, connecting with a, you know, somebody they admired. It wasn't anything serious. They weren't they weren't close. But for some reason, she took it upon herself to comment on the post and write in all caps, "Time to move on." Hmm. So she's really the only one that has ever gone out and, you know, been I guess you could say defiant. Right. Um, the rest of them you know, Jonathan Breck, whoever else that have been frequent collaborators, they just, they don't really talk about it. Um, and I think in that situation, that's fine. I mean, your motives are your motives. As long as you're not out here telling the world, well, you need to feel this way about Victor, that, that's not fair. More of my conversation with filmmaker Connor Frazier when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. Don't miss the Black Friday sale at my Strange Planet shop. From today, November 26th, until December 4th, you'll receive 20% off all orders when you use the code HOLIDAY20. That's HOLIDAY, all caps, and the number 20 with no spaces. HOLIDAY20. Men's classic tees, women's comfort tees, sweatshirts, hoodies, phone cases, socks, tote bags, and more with some really cool designs like the Mayan calendar, crop circles, Nazca lines, and much more. Just go to strangeplanet.ca and click on the Strange Planet Shop button. Happy shopping! Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, Here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Connor Frazier, the director of The Boy, Monsters Aren't Only in the Movies, is here. In the documentary, Nathan is lying on a bed, and it's almost like he's talking to a therapist. That's really what it was. I mean, what we did was we got this really cheap hotel room, and, you know, he flew to me. And that was something I wanted because I wanted him to feel vulnerable so that it did feel like, well, he's just got to bear his soul now. He's got no choice. So if we're locked up in this hotel room together, you know, thousands of miles away from his home, from any kind of comfort zone, that's where we're going to get the best footage. And that was, that's what it was. Two weeks of sitting in a hotel room and going through the emotions. And it, it really was difficult for him because he had to uncover things that he had long suppressed but it was at the end of the day kind of like an art therapy for him 
And how did he feel at the end of the process? Was he happy that, that he had gone yeah. through it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was very happy with it. And, you know, for him, it was always, he, he had gotten offers before, but none of them felt right because everybody had a motive. And I guess when I came to him and said, look, you know, I don't have any money. I don't have any history. I have no experience. I just want to tell a story. I guess that was refreshing for him and it allowed him to open up. Um, talk to me about the opening sequence. There's um, Bella Lugosi being interviewed on the doorstep of a, um, a state hospital, I guess, where he is. I'm presuming this is after he, um, I mean, he had a heroin, lifelong heroin addiction, I guess, uh, yeah. and he's coming out of rehab. Uh, explain to me the relevance of that scene in this, in this documentary. Everything in, in the film is symbols. Um, everything is symbolic. And to open it with Bela Lugosi, you know, people might be confused and they'll say, well, what the hell does Bela Lugosi have to do with anything? But you have to listen to the dialogue. You know, in the dialogue, he's saying, you know, I'm a new man, I've changed, I've been cured. It was kind of like a play on Victor, because Victor has kind of come out and like, he's been like, yeah, I'm, I'm a different man, I'm not this, I'm not that, but yet there's still these little threads within the films, you know, of this stuff hasn't gone away. Um, for example, in Jeepers Creepers 3, there was some controversy prior to its release because there was the first cut of the film contained a scene where a group of young men are talking about the lead, who was female, which is very unusual for Victor. Um, and they were, they were alluding to the fact that she had been molested by her stepfather. And one of the kids was making this joke of, well, you know, can you blame him? Just look at her. The heart wants what it wants. Am I right? That was a line that Victor Sava wrote in his most recent film. So for him to try to play this game and to say, well, I'm different. I don't, I, you know, I'm not that way anymore. I want to be a productive member of society. You know, he hasn't even apologized. And I think that's the biggest issue. We don't care if he works. We care that he refuses to apologize. He refuses to take any blame. Um, at, at one point, there was an interview he did a few years back, maybe about a, hell, 10 years ago, maybe, where he said, you know, it's just my cross to bear, and maybe we will be able to move past it if Nathan will ever stop talking about it. Hmm. So the Bale Lugosi stuff was kind of just a kind of a nod to that attitude right. that he had. And it just fit because, you know, the horror film aspect of, you know, who Victor, you automatically associate him with horror. And so it was just kind of an interesting visual and the dialogue kind of rang true to what we were doing. The timing is also, of course, very interesting given the whole Jeffrey Epstein uh, episode, something that, you know, we have, we've sort of alluded to it, talked to it about it on, on this program, different um, colleagues of mine have talked about it always in the alter alternative media uh, yeah. and and of course we're um, 
accused of being tinfoil hat wearing lunatics and so forth by the mainstream media and they only started to talk about it when they were forced to uh, and then yeah. and then even covered it up as we know now ABC owned by Disney I'm not sure if there's yeah. a if that's a coincidence or not but there seems to be a pattern here doesn't there yeah I mean ma- making a film like this and having to delve into things that are very ugly um it starts to make conspiracy theories look a lot saner than you would expect going into it. It's like you're fresh, you're bright-eyed, you're bushy-tailed, and by the time you come out of it, you're just uh, you're a you're a train wreck, and you're wearing a tinfoil hat, you know. And I've tried to avoid that um, a little bit. I know a lot of people like the Isaac Caffey situation, where I, I I don't believe that that was anything. I don't think it was a hit. I think he was a very sick man. Um, Just explain he, that. The, explain that reference, if you could. Oh, I'm sorry. Isaac Cappy um, was a. He was an actor. He had bit parts, I believe, in one of the Transformers films and some other stuff. And he kind of became big on the internet for exposing pedophilia in Hollywood. And. He had made accusations saying that the actor Seth Green had a sex dungeon in the basement that he put kids in. Um, he, at a party at Seth Green's house, choked um, Michael Jackson's daughter, <laughs> um, accusing her of something or another. He was he was on a lot of drugs and obviously had a lot of issues. So. You know, but some people think that he was credible, and I just don't. I mean, I think sometimes the conspiracy theories they 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 absolutely work, but in other situations, it's just they're not there. Uh, there was also then the uh, the Chris Cornell and the Chester Bennington deaths. Those two apparently were also. Uh, outspoken about pedophilia in, I don't know about Hollywood specifically, but about pedophile rings. Yeah, those were interesting because um, to some extent I, I, I was like, well, this is a crock of shit. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing there. But then, you know, you look at Lincoln Park, their most recent logo, the L and the P, it looks exactly like a symbol that the FBI has listed as being a code symbol within pedophile communities. So that was really fascinating to me. I don't know if there's any weight to it. It's just really interesting. The whole uh, Me Too movement, uh, Rose McGowan and Harvey Weinstein, all those 60-some serious allegations, now we have the trial and so forth. And as, I mean, as horrific as that is, you know, not a surprise to anyone, I think, that, you know, the idea of the casting couch, which, you know, really is a, it's a horrible term because it kind of, it kind of trivializes what's actually going on. But the casting couch we've known has existed in Hollywood probably since Hollywood began, you know, a a hundred years ago. But I'm wondering to what... Kenneth Anger, the man who wrote Hollywood Babylon, said it's been happening for years. I don't know why they're so bothered by it now. (laughs) You know, it's been happening since the beginning. But I'm just wondering to what extent do you think that 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 came out? Uh, It's almost like a cover 
that that uh, no, there's no question. You know, if 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 true, Weinstein is just it's just an absolute uh, yeah. piece of crap. But yeah. that that that. He was almost offered up as a sacrificial lamb to hide even a darker secret. I, there's potential to that. I mean, there's potential in everything. And I think, you know, it is interesting that within the industry, there's so much talk about violence against women, but there's nothing about children. Nobody brings up children. You know, when Corey Feldman went on The View or whatever he was on, few years back, yes. Julie Behar was like, how dare you? You know, I've worked in this industry for however many years. How dare you say that it's full of pedophiles? Well, how would you know, Joy? Right. Were you actually, were you a child actor? You know, and that's not saying that I totally agree with everything Corey Feldman has done. Um, I think, like Isaac Cappy, he, you know, has a lot of drug issues and mental health problems. But I think his heart is in the right place. And I believe everything that he says when it comes to the abuse. And for her to just, you know, brush that aside like that, they would not do that if it was Rose McGowan. They wouldn't do it if it was Amber Heard, whoever, you know, that's a part of the Me Too movement at this point. They wouldn't do that. Well, Corey Feldman has been threatening to name names. He says, go right to the the top of, you know, the studio system and so forth. Um, uh, I think he had a crowdfunding campaign. And I think the actual, um, the movie, The uh, the Rape of the Two Corys or something, actually, I think it yeah. got made. But, you know, good luck getting that distributed. Um, and what yeah. I think is so funny about that, too, is it took, he wanted $10 million to make it. We made this on 3000 Right. We didn't have... We essentially didn't have a pot to piss in. We had whatever, you know, supporters were willing to give. And I think that's just amusing as hell that he needed $10 million to tell a story like that. Uh, have other people in Hollywood, uh, child actors, uh, reached out to Nathan and, and privately shared their story, but maybe they're too afraid to go public? Um, not that I know of. Um, he might have some people hidden away there that he hasn't shared with me. I mean, he gets so many messages and so many emails. And, um, you know, we've really been the outsiders in this whole thing. Um, we haven't gotten a lot of press, <laughs> at least within the mainstream. I mean, IndieWire was probably the most mainstream, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm thankful for all the support we got from the horror community. Um, but it really is amazing, you know, like, take Dread Central was a, they, they're a horror website, and they were the first people to break the announcement that we were making the film. And that was two, two and a half, three years ago. And I went to them back in August, and I said, look, I've got this press release for the, you know, announcement that the film's done. And I heard nothing back. So I wonder, you know, and I think there was a change up in management there. Um, but a lot of it, it, it's so fickle, and everything is so... On one end, you know, one day somebody, they'll be your, your biggest supporter, and then the next day they don't want to touch you. And we had people that were offering to help us that wanted to be a part of our core, you know, team who turned right around and tried to sabotage. They actually did sabotage a couple of industry relationships that we had had, um, one of which was with a producer from the documentary in Open Secret, 
with right. his uh, film about child abuse in Hollywood. Right. And came out about four years ago to very little fanfare. Uh, yeah. Um, and these weren't, you know, what I tell people, too, out of all the people that have, you know, gone out and tried to discredit us, that have turned around and created smear campaigns on the Internet, through social media, that have cut, that have cut the ties that we had had between us and industry connections. Um, not one of those people was Victor Salva. Victor did not say a word. But these people that claimed to be supporters were the ones that turned around and tried to destroy us. And I mean, I was, I was, there was some random actress who did like big parts in television tried to buy me out of making this film. And she had no connections that I knew of to Victor. She just didn't like what we were doing. I think everybody wants to ride on your coattails a little bit. And it's just, it was a very nasty, it was a very ugly process, but a very fulfilling one. Right. Uh, but all of this just leads me to wonder, uh, you know, how how deep this this goes. I mean, how... How prevalent is this type of odious uh, behavior in Hollywood, do you think? Any way of knowing? Uh, I think it's about, it's, it's just as prevalent as the, you know, sexual abuse of adults. Um, I'm not a ad activist by any means. Um, I'm a filmmaker. I chose to tell a story about one guy. So I don't really have maybe the most informed opinion on what's really out there. But I mean, let's take on the internet, there was a there was a YouTube channel and it was seven awesome girls. And there was what the what the setup was is that you had a girl for each day of the week and every every week whoever ran the channels that the guy would give them a topic, like a time that you stood up to a bully in school. And so and those kids were given free reign to kind of take that topic and do a video on it however they please. Um, that guy, you know, we, I, I had found those videos and I started showing them to Nathan while we were filming. And I was saying, well, isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? You know, different things that were going on. You know, there was one girl in particular where a lot of a lot of her um, videos, they were shot with this attention towards her bare feet, um, and Nathan said, "This there's definitely something wrong here." And I said, "You know, there might be, there might not be." Well, f flash forward a year later, and the guy's been convicted of essentially blackmailing one of the actresses into allowing him to have access to her breasts or else he would tear up her contract. Mm. So to some extent, I think it is a pretty big issue. I don't know how big, and I don't profess to be an expert. You know, like I said, I'm a filmmaker. I'm not an activist, really. Right, um, right. Well, we're hoping to, to speak with uh, Nathan, the, uh, the subject yeah. of The Boy. He was an aspiring actor. He had hoped to go on to become an actor after he he uh, blew the whistle uh, on Victor Selva and his pedophilia. Uh, he was he was he was told. I'm I'm guessing 
you'll never work in Hollywood again. Is that true? Yes. Yes, he was. Who told him that? That's what he remembers. He says it was Francis Ford Coppola. Hmm. Um, I don't really, you know, I, I, me and him have different opinions on Francis Coppola. Um, I don't think that there's enough to be said. It's a complicated issue because on one end, Nathan remembers this scenario of, you know, you'll never work again. But then on the other end, he remembers a different scenario where they were filming Clown House and Victor didn't need Nathan. He was about for an, maybe for an hour. So Nathan was just kind of given free reign, you know, to kind of roam around because he wasn't needed on set. And Francis said, well, come to my bungalow and let me show you around. This is where I write. This is, what, this is how I get my ideas. Just kind of, you know, humoring Nathan for that hour. And they were maybe in there for about 30 minutes, and Victor just ran in the room and said, Nathan is needed on the set. And Victor said, but Nathan doesn't have to, you know, he's not on call for another 30 minutes, whatever. And he's like, no, he's needed on the set now. And Nathan said it was kind of like watching a jealous lover. And Francis was completely blown away by it, totally perplexed. So Francis Coppola and, you know, what he knew, what he didn't know, they are, it's a very complicated issue, and I don't take a side, really. Hmm. How do people uh, uh, watch your documentary film, The Boy? How do they get to see it? Um, if they go to www.nathanwinnersproject.storeenvy.com, we have the film for sale. Um, they're physical copies. We have a... Um, copy that you can download and what else have we got <laughs> um, we've also got some other stuff we've got the poster you know the, the film poster we've got on there we've got a fo- we've got photos from the filming um, the soundtrack which was actually composed by Nathan yes um, so we've got a lot of stuff on there and you know if, if we you know if, if it becomes you know, popular and people want to see more and, you know, there's the potential that we will, you know, kind of elaborate because there's still so many things that we haven't really said. I mean, Nathan's story, you know, it's tied up in this, but Nathan is more than just his abuse. I mean, he, he has been an activist for many years against child abuse and he's very intelligent and he has this wealth of knowledge on child abuse and there's the potential that that could continue further um we plan to collaborate again um not on anything like this it's um he's going to score my next film but um there's the potential that we can keep it going you know if there was enough demand for it well it's incredibly important that people see this and uh, i wish you uh, all the success i hope that uh, this does gain some traction and a a lot of people get to see it i will include a link uh, to the website in the episode notes for this podcast in the meantime connor thank you so much and uh, congratulations on the film thank you very much thank you so much for being on for letting me come on and it's always a pleasure to do these things Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, 
I'll be back to tell you a little bit about an upcoming episode. If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the Star Chamber. $20 a month is the Whistleblower Tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me, and all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up Friday, the cloak of the brethren, one man's true account of his encounters with the Illuminati. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.